Hey, hey, thanks for tuning in to the Just Janice podcast. I am your host, Janice, and we know that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. So in this joy-filled podcast, you're going to hear real-life stories from other believers. We're going to talk about the kingdom. We're going to magnify Jesus, and it's going to be awesome. So thanks for tuning in, and here we go. Hey, hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Just Janice. I'm so excited for today's episode, like I am for every episode, because I have my good friend Cindy on the podcast today. Cindy defines the word tenacious. She is someone who sets her mind to do something and sees it through every time. She just won a national Yes, I said national body transformation competition. Hello. She's a mom to three beautiful children, an incredible cosmetologist who is touching, changing, and inspiring lives on the daily. She loves Jesus and she loves laughter. She has an empowering story that I'm so excited for you guys to hear today. She is all around amazing. Welcome, Cindy. Like that is literally the best introduction I've ever had in my entire life. I'm just like grinning ear to ear right now. (laughs) <laughs> it's all true. Oh, thank all you. Oh, well, I'm so excited to have you on here today. I know we've been talking for a few months about having you on, and yeah. I'm excited to finish out my 2020 podcast year with your with having you on here. I'm Yay. excited for it. I am so excited too. So thank you so much. So I want to start out our podcast with five fun facts, just so that people can get to know you a little bit. And yeah, so I'll just ask you five fun facts and you can give our listeners your answers. You up for that? Oh, yeah. I'm, all of a sudden I'm feeling a little nervous like this is a pop quiz and I didn't prepare for it. So, okay, here we go. <laughs> uh, so number one is what is something on your bucket list? Oh my goodness. That's hard to choose because I have actually been writing out a bucket list And I'm going to do something that's like this gigantic stretch. It's like coming off the heels of winning this transformation contest. Um, I'm going to go this year, 2021, and do like an actual like body figure competition because it is like literally putting myself out there. Um, I'm 42. I've had three kids. And I, um, have been telling myself for so long, like you can't do this and you can't do that because whatever, whatever. And now this is the year where I'm like stepping right into the fire and just being like, no, I'm doing the thing because I get to. So that's it. Yes. Girl, I'm so stinking proud of you. I can't even, I'm so excited. It's been cool to watch the whole journey of the body transformation competition and your videos and pictures and all of it. And seriously, like when your sister told me you won, (laughs) I was like, screaming in my living room. I was so excited. Oh. And then when your video got uploaded, I was like, yes. Oh, no. oh my gosh. Like I have been, you are I've been screaming and talking so much that my voice is like hoarse. I don't know if you can hear like the cutting in and out type thing. I'm just like, I don't care. I'm so excited about it. It's like, yeah, very, very empowering to see what I, you can do when you set your mind to something in 10 weeks to do a challenge like that. So Oh, mm-hmm. I love it. It's seriously so cool, which kind of is a good lead into the next question. I really didn't plan it like this, but since you're coming out of your transformation competition, if you could eat one thing for a week, what would you pick? <laughs> um, I have for the last two weeks kind of eaten like a jerk. So, um, chocolate, like that's, that's my hang up. Um, I can't pick one thing, Janice. 
I've been eating chocolate and pizza and ice cream. So there's that. But today was the end of that. I started again, back on the straight and narrow, clean eating. (laughs) I know. I'm like, I think I would, I would answer that. I would say tacos because there's like a lot of ways you could make tacos. So change it up, but I don't know. Okay. So for the last 10 weeks while I was doing this challenge, like the thing that I cannot live without is tacos. So I have found a clean way of eating tacos that fuels my body the right way without having all the like extra fat and carbs and whatnot. And oh yeah, no, this girl is never living without a taco. So <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't leave us hanging. What is the answer for that? Oh, okay. So I found um, these Ezekiel wraps, which Ezekiel is like sprouted grain. It's a much healthier um, complex carbohydrate. So, you know, instead of having like a crunchy hard shell, I would have just the wrap and I eat a lot of venison. And so I use venison and taco seasoning. And then instead of sour cream and cheese, I would just take cottage cheese and spinach. And I know you're probably going like, ew, but it was still, it still tasted like a taco and it still, you know, satiated the the flavor of having a taco. And I would just tell myself I'm eating this burrito basically. And yeah, so I made it happen. That actually, believe it or not to me, sounds good. I, um, I had a student in class the other day that was picking on me because I ordered Subway and didn't get any vegetables. And then he's like, how do you eat salad? And I'm like, I hate lettuce, but I love spinach yeah. and I always put cottage cheese on it. And then people are like, Ew, it's good to me. I like it and it makes me healthy. So yeah, fun stuff. So number three is what did you always want to be when you grow up? (laughs) Okay, so I wanted to be a gospel singer when I was eight, but I cannot sing. So God (laughs) planted that in my heart because what that looks like today is the gift that I carry with me is being, um, inspiring and impactful. So I have a contract with myself that I recently got to make through, um, an emotional intelligence program that I've been going through. And, um, one of the exercises was making a contract. So every day I get to live out my contract. And that is, I am a joyful, inspiring, impactful woman. And so when I was eight, I wanted to be a gospel singer, but you know, you kind of have to have the talent of singing and I do not. So, um, what that translates to as a 42 year old woman now is to use my voice to share joy and inspiring and impacting other women. Like my heart is for women, obviously, you know, I would love to inspire and impact and share joy with men, but you know, whatever men, you don't get to have that as much as women do. So (laughs) (laughs) I know like with my women's ministry there, I could tell you, I would have people like, you need to do events so we can bring our husbands. We're like, well, God gave us a vision to minister to women. And now it is expanding. Mm -hmm. We're doing co-ed events and men's events and stuff, but I'm like, Sorry, boys, right. you can only come and invite it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm not, seriously, I'm sitting here chuckling and I had to like move the phone away. <laughs> like, you have to have the gift to go with it. And I love how God took that because really the heart of it was to minister to people and to minister truth. And you're doing that every single day. So I love it. Number four, 
what is your dream vacation? <gasps> okay. So I just won $5,000. And so I get to have my dream vacation and that is going to Hawaii. And I, I, I don't know if I'm going to do five or seven days. We'll see. I'm going to research it a little bit to see how much $5,000 will, will get me. But, um, just the idea of going by myself to Hawaii and spending that time alone and to just align my spirit with, with the creator. And, and I just, I've never been to Hawaii, but seeing pictures and just all of the beauty and the warmth that it just, it's just like a culmination of the last several years of my life that this is such a gift that I will get to give to myself to go and, mm. and put my feet in the sand and just watch the waves and read. And I'm such a nerd about podcasts and things like that, that I, you know, I just want to be able to listen and work out at my leisure and snorkel if I want to. And like the whole thing, like this entire 10 weeks when I'm thinking $5,000, I, I initially was like, Oh, I'm going to pay off bills. And then it started transforming into, I'm going to give myself a gift and my dream vacation has always been to go to Hawaii. So I get to do that now. Oh, I, I literally, literally cannot tell you how happy that I makes know. me. I, I can't wait to see pictures. I'm trying to think, I wonder if I could fit in a suitcase. No, she wants to by herself. It's fun. And I thought <laughs> that like, oh, you, if I can bring a bunch of people with me, then I'm like, no, I want, this is, and what that means is like, I'm sure when I share my story, people will understand the alone because my sister and friends, they've all been like alone. Cindy, isn't that scary? And I'm like, no, this is, this is like the pinnacle that I'm reaching with everything that I have been traveling through. And God has just been giving me an abundance of strength and clarity and determination that, you know, I, aside from myself, I know like. I was born with that gift of strength, but he has just been over and over renewing that strength. And so this is, this is a gift that, you know, going at it alone, alone used to make me break down and cry. And now I have such a completeness and wholeness in my soul that alone is like, I know that that's not a negative thing. Like, I know I'm not alone, alone physically, but mm -hmm. it, it's just like, it, it is like the, the pinnacle of the healing that I've been walking through over the last few years. So. Mm, um, I'm so proud of you and I can't wait for you to share your story in a little bit and people will understand better everything you're talking about. But like me too, as a single girl, there's so many times where I've stepped out and done things or like I drove up to Mackinac by myself, which isn't a huge deal. It's only like five hours, but some people are like, you're wait, you're driving all the way. I'm like, yes. Like, I'm just going to have some me and Jesus time. And I like for me, nothing. I love just after work, I'll just get in my car and drive because that is like my sanctuary. I mm -hmm. love driving and just being in my car and having that time with the Lord to worship and pray. And so I'm just so expectant for this trip for you and what God's going to do and fortifying you through this trip. And um, then you have to come back on the podcast mm -hmm. after because people are going to know, people are going to want to know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm excited for even like connections you might make on the trip. All yeah. of that. So cool. Yeah. So cool. 
So the last fun fact question is what is this? This might be hard for you to answer. What is one thing God is teaching you in this season of your life? Hmm. One, I have not been able to narrow anything down to one Jana. So when you limit me like that, (laughs) (laughs) you're good. Um, You know, here I'm sitting here in this closet of mine that about three and a half, four years ago, I ripped everything out of this closet and I wrote scripture all over it. And I'm just facing, um, it's Luke one thirty-seven. It says for with God, nothing will be impossible. And that is really the thing that stays so present in my mind that with, with God, nothing is impossible. And that's the season that I've been in is just like relentlessly pursuing the things that light my soul on fire. And I'm, I'm, I'm just finding, I'm finding myself in that. But at the same time, it's like, God is just showing me how right from the beginning of my, my, my birth, how he has just been locking things together and just showing me how he has, you know, been there the entire step of the way. I don't know if that answers your question, but <laughs> yeah, it does. It, that is so beautiful. What a beautiful answer. So did you do your closet like in response to war room? Um, from that yes, movie? It was. Um, however, I did. I like, I have a rebellious nature that I, you know, that's, that's something that I used to think was such a negative thing about me, but now I see you what the rebelliousness was about. It wasn't necessarily to, um, at times in my life, it was to God, you know, but now I see that, um, and maybe rebellious isn't the word, but I just don't do, I don't do like the structured, organized, westernized religion. Like that just leaves such a bad taste in my mouth anymore. So when I, when I saw that, you know, with the war room, like I structured it like that. And then when I went in, I was like, Ooh, this doesn't feel real to me. So I just started like writing stuff out and, and then making it around what works for, for me and my walk and my, you know, like my structure. So, cause I kind of like with that rebellious nature, I kind of feel like, like nobody's telling me what to do, you know? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, it came with that idea after I watched the war room and the season that I was in, in my life, you know, that, that was what I I thought, you know, this would be the cure. Um, but now it's, uh, it took me a while to come back into this room. And when I do come into this room, it's, it's like coming face to face with that girl that wrote all of this and the scriptures that are all over the wall. Um, they all mean something for that season. And so when I do come back in here, it kind of like it, there's a little bit of pain with that. So I occasionally will come back in and I'll read them and I'll remember um, because I think it's good to look back on the past and remember where you were and help it to propel you forward so that you don't stay in that, that same place that you once were, but that this, you know, yes, started out as the war room, but it has structured completely different than that. So it's, it's kind of like a, a room where I broke down and started to be rebuilt, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. And I love that you hit on that. Cause that's like one thing which probably everybody knows this. And I knew this before that, before this year, but like one thing God has really been driving home and in my heart is just the fact that he's not a cookie cutter right. God. He's not like burn the boxes has kind of been this phrase in my head, like for the whole year, like burn the boxes, people like stop putting God in a yes. box the way that he moved in your life five years ago may not look the same and stop expecting that. Like, obviously there are things with God that are concrete that never mm-hmm. change, but like the way that he, his methods and all of that is, it is different. So I love that you use that to inspire you, but yet you weren't like, okay, it has to look right. like this. And it has to like, I love that because that's just obviously a product of relationship with yes. God. So yeah. evidence of that in your life, it's beautiful. Right. And I don't, I don't, so when I say like, um, like organized westernized Christianity and religion, it like leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I don't mean that to say, to sound like judgy, judgmental whatsoever in the least. I just, my relationship with God has evolved in such a way that, um, it is nothing like it was a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. And I think that that's what true growth is, is when you're seeking that genuine relationship, you know, like if, if you and I had met and we just like stayed the exact same and we didn't have any stories to build on or experiences to build on, then, you know, our relationship would just be so, um, shallow basically. Like it would just be like, Oh, you're an acquaintance. Acquaintance. Did I say that? Yeah. Did I say that right? Acquaintance. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like struggling with that word. But, um, you know, and that's, I feel like, for a while. And I feel like this is, this is what we see in our nation. I don't, I can't speak for other nations, but I see this so much in, um, the United States with everything that's been going on over 2020 is that, um, we have such a, like just the acquaintance type of relationship with God. And Mm. that, that to me, like when I say like Westernized Christianity, like that's what I think. So he's an acquaintance. And then we use, we pull scripture from the Bible and we use it to apply to what's happening right now. And you can do that. It's called confirmation bias. You can do that with every scenario to back up what you're saying or preaching at somebody or whatever. But if you're not walking that and you're not living that out and you're not oozing that from you every single day as your truth, as the truth, then it just falls on deaf ears. It's, it's literally pointless, you know, to throw that out on Facebook or whatever. And, you know, you can do a cutesy little scripture or whatever, throw it out on Facebook. But, um, I've kind of backed away from that, doing that on social media so much because I've, I've gotten to the point where if it doesn't align with truth for me, if I'm not walking in it, then I'm not Mm -hmm. saying it. I'm not, I'm not going to be like that fakeness because that means so much to me. Like my, who I say I am, you know, that means so much to me. And that's, that's kind of like the example that I want to be. If I say I am this, then I'm going to walk it. If I say I'm going to do it, then I'm going to walk it. So, and that's how I feel about my relationship with God. You know, like I, if I say, you know, God is my father. Well, that's the relationship that it's going to be. And it's not uh, the humanized version either, you know, because my relationship with my earthly dad looks nothing, absolutely nothing like my relationship with 
my heavenly dad. And I don't think it should mm. look the same, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You hit on so many good points there and like it, it boils down to integrity. And that's been something that's been, I became a Christian when I was 17 and that's kind of been my, not kind of, it has been my heartbeat since I've been saved is like, I, when you encounter me as a person, you should see me the same when I'm at church, when I'm alone, when I'm around other people, when I'm around people that aren't saved, like who I am should not change based on, and there's so many like Mm -hmm. chameleon Christians that like, I will adapt to the environment that I'm around and, and whatever. And that's sad. I think it really is a foundation of identity that's not been fortified. And then you also hit on relationship versus religion. And we know like the word says it is by grace, you've been saved, not by works. And so that is a lot of Christianity. It's like, I'm going to church and I'm doing all these things for like, this sounds so corny, but like fire insurance, I want to make sure that Mm -hmm. I get to heaven and like whatever, but yet the gospel really hasn't impacted you. And I, I remember when I was in youth group, this scenario, my youth pastor gave, like it has stuck with me since he gave it, obviously when I was 17 or 18. And he was like, if you went out here to M60 and, uh, or if you came into youth group tonight and you said, Oh my gosh, pastor, like I just got ran over by a semi truck. Can you believe it? I would look at you and I'd be like, there is no damage done to you. You don't look any different. Like there's no way you got hit by a semi. He's like, it's the same thing for you to say that you're a Christian and you've encountered God, but your life looks no different than it did before. That's kind of like, it's just kind of eyebrow raising. Like, God, like when you encounter God and you are in his word, like you cannot help yeah. but be changed. So and, yeah, and there's so many, we so many are good things. changing and ever growing. And I, you know what, I may listen to this in a year from now and go, Whoa, 42 year old Cindy knew nothing, you know? And I, like, I just, hope <laughs> yeah. that, you know, I look back in a year and I do see growth and that my, my walk in every area of my life has changed, strengthened, grown, learned, you know? That's, that's my goal is to ever be seeking. Yes. Yes. And to maintain that intimacy with God and allow him to continually transform us into the image of Christ. And, and um, yeah, obviously we're not saying any of this with any sort of condemnation because there is no condemnation in Christ. It's more of, for me, it's more of a, a heartache for me in the body of Christ. It's like people are missing missing what it means to truly walk in relationship because it's mm-hmm. incredible and religion doesn't give you no, that religion so. gives you shame and guilt um, and that there's yes. no freedom in that that just totally binds you to uh basically your own little prison and then you'll wrap a story around that over and over about how you know you're you're this or you're that and you will cycle through shame and guilt and shame and guilt but there is so much freedom when you look at just the the life of Jesus himself, how Jesus was a freaking savage, if I'm allowed to even say that. So he was like, yeah. you know, the story of when um, he went into the temple and he was just throwing over tables and, you know, he was just in like full on anger, you know, which is an emotion that we're told as Christians, we're, mm, no, no, you're not really allowed to have that. But Yes, we, we get to have that like righteous anger, anger, because Jesus modeled that, you know, he went in and he overthrew all that because of what they were doing in the temple. And then there's other things that he did, you know, like the story, my favorite story, because it like resonates with me is when he went to the woman at the well and he asked her for water and she looked at him like, "Mm, excuse me. 
get your own water, dude. And why are you even talking to me anyways? You know, because he went against the social rules of that day. And when he spoke to her, it changed her life in such a way that she ran into her town and she changed everybody else's lives as a result of hers being changed. And that's because he went against the social norm. He broke all of the rules of religion, the rules and regulations. And that should be such a picture to us in our own relationship is with God is look at the life of Jesus. Like he's the foundation of Christianity anyways. So if we're not looking at his life as an example and modeling that the love, the compassion, the forgiveness, he was so understanding and gentle. He didn't, you know, shame and guilt that woman at the well who had been married multiple times and had a a man that she was living with that wasn't her husband. And he called her out on that. And when she knew like that was the truth, instead of her looking at him like, um, wow, you're totally judging me. She was like, who are you? Like, I know who you are, you know, (laughs) that like that should be such a picture to us of the type of integrity that we should be carrying with us. If we're loving people, truly unconditionally loving people, they're going to be like, I want to know more. I want to, I want that. And that like, that's where, that's where I've been changing more and more is like dropping that judgment. You know, if somebody, somebody swears or cusses, I do occasionally too. Sometimes I have a little bit of a potty mouth and then I'm like, Whoa, bring it back, bring it back. You know, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) you know, when you look at them, you just, you get to understand and accept people right where they're at and understand that we are all in a growth cycle, growth phases and changing and ever changing. And when we lead with that love and compassion, that's really where, people's lives are changed. Yeah. I found a scripture. Um, I don't even know, not too long ago. I believe it's in Malachi that, that, and it just wrecked me. It's like when you get a rhema word out, out of the word of God, when you're reading and it just pops off the pages to you and it's like, ah, and then you're stuck on it forever. But it, it was that God delights in mm. showing mercy. And I guess I was like, God is merciful. Like God is full of mercy and compassion and, and all those things, but that he delights yeah. in showing mercy. Like that is the character he, and I always think about like the prodigal son and how the father was watching him from afar off and, and his response, because I, I had probably within the last few years, I've really started gaining a better understanding of God, the father. Like I was always good with Jesus and in the forgiveness and the friend and all of that. And the Holy spirit being my counselor, my guide and all of that. But the father was always shelved for me. I don't know why I never communicated with him. Never just really didn't think about him. And there's reasons for that. I won't get into, but I just had this crazy cool encounter with the father during prayer one time in my living room. And it's totally changed me. And, and then like the story of the prodigal son coming home. And then when you actually study like the father and the compassion he had, and how he responded to the son who came home and, and threw a party and put on his best sandals and and robe and signet ring and all of that. It's like, I think that we totally misunderstand and miscommunicate Mm. the heart of the father a lot of times in church, because we see the father as like this critical judgmental gavel holding God. And, um, yeah, 
not no, not exactly who that's he is. so, so <laughs> that picture of the prodigal it son is coming home like that's that's just the, like I I can envision that story when you know the the father sees his son like running towards him or coming towards him you know and I just imagine he probably just looks like so beat up and distraught and you know as a mom like when I see my kids travel through things that you know they've made a decision that has led them down a wrong road and you know they're hurting and they're they're you know coming to me and they're like oh I did this thing it has taught me so much just to wrap my arms around them and say it's okay. I forgive you. And we're going to figure this out and work through this. And that there's always so much more healing in that when we lead like that with that compassion than to just, you should not have this, or you should not. I mean, imagine if he had done that, you know, you shouldn't Mm -hmm. this, you shouldn't that guilt, guilt, guilt. But instead like that welcome home party, you know? Yes. Yes. And I think for us as believers, we have to really guard ourselves to not be like the prodigal brother. And that's been something too, that God's been speaking to me in the last couple of years. It's like, we do that. Like when people come home or like, you know, come home, you know, proverbially speaking, they come to Christ or whatever that like you were talking about having that critical spirit and like, you know, why are they still cussing? Don't they know their cleavage shouldn't be showing like whatever, like getting rid of that, eradicating that critical Mm -hmm. religious spirit in the church would do, would do the body so much good. And recognizing that and repenting from it because I don't know, that doesn't change people and his attitude toward his brother coming home. It, it should have been like, like, I want to be the brother, so to speak in that scenario. That's like, I will go get the fat mm-hmm. calf and I will cook it for him. Cause I'm so thankful he's home too versus why mm-hmm. didn't I get that? <laughs> you know, and that comparison, it's such a yeah, trap. It so. is. I hear uh, footsteps. I might, that was somebody coming and looking for me. Maybe not. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh man, that's so good. So I want to share um, how we met because it's such a fun story and, and then, and then allow you to okay. share your story with people too. So I don't know how we want to do this part, but I'll kind of share my mm-hmm. side of how we met and then I'll let you take over and um, then we'll talk about okay. how we actually met. So it's pretty fun. So I worked with Cindy's sister for a few years at Oakland hospital in the finance patient accounts department. And we became super close, good friends. And then I had left the hospital for a different job and stayed in contact with Carolyn is her name. Cindy's sister's name is Carolyn stayed in contact with her just because she's amazing and incredible just like her sister, Cindy. And like, literally we could do a whole podcast about how incredible Carolyn is. She's just so amazing. And she journeyed with both of us actually through one of the hardest seasons of our life. And um, she was just really there for me during my divorce and all of that. So anyway, so it was, you know, a few years after I had left the hospital, Cindy or sorry, Carolyn reached out to me and was like, Hey, my sister is going through a really hard season right now. Like I, I gave her your information with love for the two of you to connect. And so I found Cindy on social media, added her and you didn't end up reaching out to me. So I reached out to you and we started talking and then I was having, um, our church ladies actually were having like a Christmas get together. 
So I invited you half expecting you to come because most of the time, like, obviously mm-hmm. you didn't know me at all. Most of the time with stuff like that. And it was so last minute, like most of the time people don't show up mm-hmm. and you came. So I'll let you pick up from there. Well, <laughs> okay. So before I came to that, um, I had been going through, um, a, a rough season and, um, seasons, <laughs> There were multiple of them, multiple rough seasons, but, um, I had Googled something along the lines of like beautifully broken or something like that. And I came across this blog and read, read about being, um, beautifully broken and it just touched my heart so much. And I was like, this author of this blog gets it. It was the exact season where I was at. And then when my sister um, it's about a year or year or two later, my sister said, you have to meet my friend Janice. And then I believe you shared that same article that you had, or not article blog that you had wrote. And it was the same one. I was like, shut up like that. It, this is the girl that wrote that because in that season, it just blessed me. It gave me hope. And so then when we met, you know, and you reached out to me, I just was in such a dark, dark place that when you invited me to come to this ladies group, I like loudly heard that, that voice that said, go. And I was like, okay. Like it was so out of a comfort zone, but I was like, okay. Cause I need, I need some, some women to just wrap around me and help me through this. I knew like where I was at, it was just so, so beyond what I was able to face alone And I had started just asking God to just send me some women that would help me to, you know, stay strong and empower me and, you know, give me hope. And, and then that was you. And so then when I came into, um, that women's group that night, and I, I mean, it was a little like uncomfortable. I've never met any, any one of them. And, um, somebody said like, so how do you two know each other? And you were like, I don't, I just met her today. And they're like, nah, and I'm like, yeah, we just met. Cause we just hit it off. Like we just talked, like we knew each other and we're laughing and joking. Like we had known each other for a long time. So it, it surprised everybody. <laughs> it was such a fun night. And we did like these stupid, crazy charades too. Yeah. And we just pulled you right into it. Like you fit in as soon as you walked in the door. And then we like walked out to our cars together and we're like, oh my gosh, we literally have the same vehicle, like gray Ford escapes. Like what? (laughs) Oh, I'm so thankful that God crossed our paths. Like I can't, I I can't even express how thankful I am for that. You are such a godsend in my life. So tell us, tell us your story. Obviously Mm -hmm. there's a lot of story, um, that any of us could share, but like whatever God has on your heart to share with people. Okay. Somebody's test. Okay. <laughs> Charlie's over here. Like mommy. Um, okay. <laughs> so once upon a time, there was a girl named Cindy. <laughs> Is that what you want? Do you want me to start from? I'm just joking. Yes. I want it to okay. sound so, like a fairy yes, tale because that's like what I lived in my entire life. So which is like such a good segue to, um, uh, I was married when I was 23. I met my first husband when I was 19, he was 31. So if that doesn't scream, Whoa, this girl has some daddy issues. I don't know what does. (laughs) So 
Um, the <laughs> relationship lasted 10 years. The marriage was like seven and a half years. Um, I had two miscarriages. The first pregnancy was the reason why we got married. So, you know, like when you say that, and especially like around the, you know, I'm going to do the air quote Christian people. They're like, mm, oh, she was having sex before she got married. So yes. Hi, sinner over here. I was, and I, um, I married my, my first husband because of, of being pregnant. And then, um, we, a week later had my first doctor's appointment and we found out that I had what was called a blighted ovum, which just the egg and sperm fertilizes in plants. And then it doesn't grow from there. So, um, I mourned the loss of, uh, of a, a hope, a dream, you know, when you think that you're going to have a child and then you realize that there was, there was never, and there may have been days or weeks that there was a soul there, but there, you know, that, that dream died. And so I was so young, I was 23 and I just, I didn't know how to handle that because I knew I had like heard through the grapevine that my first husband had said, great, I married her because she was pregnant and now she's not, you know? And so it was just the beginning of the realization that I had gotten myself in some deep poopy that I was like, how do I, what do I do with this now? So then I was like super driven after that. Like I got to have a baby. So, you know, you replace the loss and I conceived like right away. Um, and my body just wasn't ready. So I lost that, that pregnancy. And that was like twice as bad. I like, I woke up one morning and just blood all over and, um, and then traveled for two weeks through going to the doctor, um, still having a heartbeat. Um, the doctor saying, you know, he was like, I don't perform abortions. We have to wait this out, you know, and you're not, this baby isn't going to make it. And so living with that day in and day out. And my husband just was so absent and, um, And I just, I didn't have a relationship with God, even though I was raised in a Christian home, I just, I didn't have a a relationship with God for me to lean into him for strength. And so, um, we ended up going to the doctor's office and that morning, um, had an ultrasound and there was no longer a heartbeat. And, um, I remember my doctor looking at me and saying, Cindy, um, you, you have to go get this taken care of. If you, if I send you home, you're going to bleed to death. And, you know, the whole time I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, you know, I'm 23 years old, like how, like not even knowing what to do with this. So, um, the doctor looked at my husband and said, how are we going to get her there? And, um, he just like fumbled around. He's like, ah, he was a hairstylist too. And so he was like, "Ah, I have clients and literally went back to work while my doctor drove me to the hospital and then I didn't see him until I was out of recovery. And when I was coming out of recovery, God just like showed up in that, that, um, room, like gave me such a gift where I was able to like hold my baby in my arms and rock my baby. Like I, as I was waking up, I, I was in a white room, just a rocking chair right in the center of it and holding and rocking my baby. And that, like, I look at that as such a gift from God that he gave me that moment to have. And so from there, um, I, I actually listened to my doctor and my doctor was like, do not try, do not try again. 
So two years later, I had my daughter, Grace, and uh, chose the name Grace because that is God's unmerited love and favor. And she is the reason why I began praying again. And um, when, when Grace was two months old, I was sitting in a church service and I was looking down at her face and I was just thinking about the miracle that I was holding, that we had been given news that, you know, I thought it was me that had the issue. It was my, my first husband was, um, totally not a man, like who I am today. I would never, ever have chosen him. Like he, he was an alcoholic. He smoked weed all the time. Like his lifestyle was just so unhealthy that he was the reason um, why I was having miscarriages and he was the reason why, um, I should say that ba- neither baby survived because after doing some testing, they found out that, um, he had like 75% mutation in his sperm. Should I even have said that just now? But whatever. <laughs> so, so anyways, no, that's good. This is real, this life. Is real so, life. Um, anyhow, um, but when we found out those test results, I was already pregnant with Grace. So Grace literally is a miracle. And um, so then right on the heels of Grace came David 15 months later. And then when the kids were three and four, I just literally never had a connection with their dad. There was, it, you know, when I say I had daddy issues, like he was a great provider. He was that picture of like just the bill payer very absent. Um, he would always do his own thing. Like he had this barn, he would go smoke his weed in. I never participated in that. Cause I was like, mm, no. Um, but I, like I settled, I settled and I couldn't see past like the relationship. And because of the way that I was brought up, you know, when I, I first met him and we started sleeping together, I just like, I had such an attachment because of that physical, you know, giving away of myself that I just, I couldn't see past letting him go. And so I attached myself for 10 years to this man that literally just, he never had anything to do with me. He, he spoke so many different things over me that I, I carried away with me. Like at one point he labeled me princess glue as he gave me this name. Cause he's like, you know, number one, you talk too much. And number two, you're always stuck to me like glue. Well, my love language is quality time. So if you send or spends some time with me, I am like, I love you. And I feel so loved. So I would always try to spend time with him and he just didn't. So if you can imagine 10 years of that, how depleted I was when it came to feeling loved. Um, when, when he chose to, um, he chose to leave and I was, I was into fitness since uh, my son was 16 months old. And he is 16 now. So I started teaching Taibo and went and got certified for that. And so I was like at peak fitness level for a 28 year old woman who had two kids and teaching Taibo. And I was offered a job as a um, general manager at a gym in Coldwater. And I decided to leave doing hair and go to that because that's something that is my passion. It's something like I love, love, love fitness. And, um, So when that happened, um, I had an opportunity to go out and be in some Taibo videos and my first husband called me at the time and he just said, I'm done. And four days later, when I got back from that trip from California, he left. And that was the third time, like he had left, he had 
you know, two other times, moved out, moved back in. And then from there for 10 years, like he was just so emotionally abusive. And it took me 10 years to get to the point where I realized his words had zero value over me. And that for 10 years, I was, I was allowing them to like, he would say, you name it, you, every single name that you could call a person that starts with an F, you know, and ends with an itch. <laughs> it was like, it was like everything that you could imagine. And for the longest time, like I would, I would live that, you know, like, um, then I, like, after he was, he left me, I was so like the rejection was just so, so consuming. So I jumped from guy to guy, to guy, to guy. And because of that, then the label was slapped on me as you're a whore. And I guilted and shamed myself for my actions because um, I had been such a faith-filled, powerful woman. Like I would, I was so structured where I would get up and read my Bible at 5 a.m. And then I would go to the gym and work out and train and, you know, do Tybo and all that. And I was so structured around that. And then when he left, like every, everything crumbled. And I, I literally like, I took my faith and I just chucked it over my shoulder. And I was like, I had prayed and prayed for him to, to come to know God. And he was an atheist. So <laughs> it's so funny as I tell this story, like, and I look back on that, I'm like, wow, wow. You chose a man that was 12 years older and an atheist. It was so far removed from what I was raised in, but now I understand the why. And, and it's crazy that I can say, I'm so grateful for that journey because then it, it led me to meeting my second husband. And when I met him, um, I was just, you know, I was very fragile. You know, I was like, I, I, there was so much stuff inside of me that needed to be fixed. And, um, so what I became was a fixer. I would attract all these fixer uppers. And my second husband was just, um, I, like, I saw the potential in him and I saw the things that like he, he wanted to be, but it was, you know, that lack of like integrity where, you know, I say I'm this doing this and, um, right from the beginning, three months, I remember he was standing outside of my house. We had gotten in an argument and he called me, um, a really naughty name starts with an F and ends with an unt. <laughs> so, you, you get it. You like my editing. Love the editing. <laughs> so, and when he said that to me, I was like, yeah, you would never come into this house ever again. And then like two weeks later, he was back in and it was just, it was the same cycle that, you know, like when you attach yourself physically to someone, it's, it's so hard to break away from that physical attachment, you become tied. And I like, I could not break away from that. Mm -hmm. So we cycled through and I, you know, I would try to better myself so that he would be better. And then we would just go through this crazy cycle. And then, um, we broke up, got back together. This was like a year later. And, uh, insanely enough, I thought marriage would fix this. And so I married him. And then, uh, two weeks after we got married, we were like taking our rings off, throwing them at each other and being like, you know, I just made the biggest mistake. You're a mistake. I mean, it's just so toxic, abusive relationship. And we were that to each other. Um, so had Charlie in 2015, Charlie's my youngest child. I was 37. 
And um, so at the time I had a 12 year old an 11 year old and he had two kids and I think his youngest was six or seven. There was a gap, you know, between each one of the kids. And um, it was just, it, it was a, a continual cycle of us being very toxic and abusive towards each other. And then there was a culmination of just the, the amount of um, toxicity that was taking place in our home and between us that we were drawing out of each other. And um, in 2019, uh, that's when you and I met, Janice was in 2019. And um, I had met you in January. And then in February, um, a week after I had a hysterectomy, I had been dealing with um, finding out that my husband was being um, unfaithful and we had already separated a couple years prior to that where he was had, like, I thought we were working through things and then he was sleeping with a girl and then me at the same time. And when I traveled through that devastation, that's when I made this room where I, I was like, I, I was determined to pray us through this and I was determined to forgive. Like I knew he was doing it, but before I confronted it, I made the decision that I was going to forgive and I was going to love and I was going to just power through that because I, I did not want to take another child through a divorce and I didn't want to do this, you know, the, the broken home. And I didn't, you know, I just thought, what's it going to look like to be, you know, in my forties and have a second divorce. And I just kept, boxing myself in and thinking all about the shame and guilt that was wrapped around that second divorce. And so I, I had made the decision that I was going to just power through that affair. And, um, uh, we did for about two years, the cycle, we got a little bit of counseling. Um, every time we would go to the counselor, we would leave and he would just be so mad. And he, we were counseling with a pastor and he was like that double standard preacher, because he was totally just dealing with the infidelity and uh, my husband had a drinking problem. And so he was dealing with those because those were the root issues. And um, he wouldn't say anything to me, which I was like super disrespectful to my husband. I had, I had little to no respect. And so I was always like confrontational and argumentative. And I would like magnify every little issue that we had, like, I mean, if he left crumbs on the countertop, I was just like, Rawr! and every little thing would, you know, come out as a result of that. And um, so anyhow, in 2019, February, February 12th, I had went out to his ice shanty and I, I started doing a, a study by Lisa Turkhurst called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. And while I was praying for God to change my husband's heart, God just started changing my heart. And he was just like, Cindy look in the mirror like you're you're like shining a light on all of his issues and all the toxicity in him and the abuse in him and like look at how confrontational and argumentative you are and you know there's that verse in the bible that talks about how it's better for a man to live on a roof than with a contentious wife and like my husband was like <laughs> like that was him. Like he was like, I'm out of here. Cause like he'd come in the door and I would just be like, literally just roar at him. And I, I didn't want to live with me in either. 
I like, I hated myself. I did not want to live with myself either. And so when I was doing that study and Lisa's story, if, if no one has read any of her books and her story, oh my gosh, like it's not supposed to be this way punched me in the face. I was like, yeah, yeah. I like, I came face to face with the ugly that was inside of me. And so it wrecked me. Like when I looked in the mirror and I saw who I had become and what I had become, it wrecked me. And I went out to, um, my husband was out ice fishing. And so I went out to his ice shanty and I did not know he, he was like in this cycle of drinking whiskey and, and he was very functional. He, he still is a very functional alcoholic and, um, and I, I didn't realize what that looked like. So I didn't know that he had been drinking. And when I went out to him, I just said probably everything that this man ever wanted to hear. You know, like I just affirmed all the things that he would say to me that I was doing. And I had come face to face with that. And I was begging for forgiveness. And I was like, this is so far above us. Can we go to counseling? And, you know, I was willing to meet him in the middle or go all the way for him. I was like, if you don't want to go to a a preacher for counseling, we'll go to just any counselor. Like I, I want to fix this and I'm willing to face it if you're willing to face it. And he was, he was, um, super, super cold and not because he was sitting on the ice either. (laughs) Like he was just, he was super, super cold. And he just looked (laughs) at me and he said, no. And I thought in that moment, I thought, this is it. Like, it can't get any worse than this. Mm. This is it. And I, I, you know, I was a week post surgery for having a hysterectomy. So I was standing on the ice. I was feeling like super uncomfortable. And I said, I need to go. And I, I drove home. Um, I drove home crying and praying. And I, I said to God, this is so above me. This is something that only you can fix. And I had that fairy tale mindset where I was like, only you can do this because nothing's impossible with you. And I had that faith that, you know, he could change it. He could change my husband's heart. And then I was like, I'm just going to focus on allowing God, like to just mold me to who he wants me to be. And I started to just like vision myself, just kind of like floating in the water, you know, like if you've ever done one of those lazy river floats and you just flow and you flow and you just go where the river takes you. And I started picturing that. And, um, I said to God on the way home, if you need to shatter my marriage and you need to make it what you want it to be, then I will trust you the whole way. So four and a half, five hours later, my husband headbutted me and broke my nose in a confrontation. And when I say, when I say, um, if you need to shatter my marriage, that that was not what I had in mind, obviously. And I don't think that God, you know, the Bible tells us that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Um, and that, you know, God is not, um, help with this Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, 
Yes. Not to harm us. Her plans yeah. for us are good. And so, not to harm us. Um, yeah. And I, and I trust yeah. that. So I, I knew that that was not God, but God takes all things and he works them together for good. And so, um, and I knew in that Amen. moment when everything shattered, like I just have that picture of it just completely shattering into dust. And, um, the next 24 hours were just, I was going to some training at the time I was getting a job at the post office. Um, and I was going to some training the next morning. I had two hours of sleep. My youngest daughter was three and a half. She woke up in the middle of the night throwing up. Um, I had this swollen face. My husband was arrested. You know, I had to address it with my teenagers because they were in the house. And so everything that transpired after that was like total survival mode. But in the meantime, I was like, I was screaming at God in the middle of the night. Where are you? Thinking like, why are you letting this happen? And I like, I was just thinking like, Mm. like this and I kept saying it cannot get any worse and then in that moment of just like freaking out um I had I had just that whisper and that's what he does you know it's not usually the loudness it's that whisper and that quietness where he just calms you and says trust me and I firmly believe that you know I can just picture God standing Mm. over that whole situation, like hanging his head and crying with me because that's not what he intended for me. That's not the life that he wanted me to live, but I had chose otherwise. And there's always consequences to our choices and our actions. And so it led me to that point where I was, I was just facing pure devastation and not knowing where to go with it. On my way to Kalamazoo, I was in a snowstorm. And um, I was listening to the radio and over the radio came on the newer version of it as well. And I was, I was just barely able to make a whisper. And um, I said, as I was listening to that, I said, I'll trust you, God. And I'm driving in a whiteout, white knuckle driving, you know, and if, if you're listening to this and you're in Michigan, you know what I'm talking about when you are in, in a blizzard, it's a whiteout and you cannot see, I was going, I was driving 25 miles an hour on the interstate. I was going, um, next to a semi and, and I was on an overpass. And so, you know, going over this bidock. And when I was a kid, we got in a car accident going over one of those. So there's always that fear there. And, um, as I was traveling through that, I was like, I said it quietly, just like, I barely had any strength to say it. I was like, I'll trust you. And then I said, I will trust you, God. And then I said it louder. I will trust you, God. And then louder. I will trust you, God. And before long, it was like rooting deep within my soul where I was yelling it. I will trust you, God. I will trust you, God. I will trust you, God. And as I was saying that, I just felt his presence just encounter me. I had just this warmth and wrap all around me. And then a cool breeze washed right over me. And, it, and then I was past the semi. I was at my exit. I was parking in the parking lot to this uh, post office. And I was sitting there like, whoa, like what just happened? And then the rest of that day, like 
my first husband hadn't ever been like, he was not paying child support. So then $1,500 got deposited into the account. Like I was, I was seeing right before my eyes, how God was like, I am your provider. I will be your husband. I will make a way. Mm -hmm. I will give you strength. I will restore all of this. And just showing me all throughout that day. And as hard as it was over the last two years, every time I started to walk in fear, I would remember that moment in my car where I said, I will trust you, God. And my, my integrity and my word means so, so much to me that when I say I will, I will. So I held myself accountable to that, that anytime I started to doubt or fear or anything, I would remember that moment about trusting God and walking in that faith and not by sight. So the last two years has been like where I'm at right now with winning this, this, uh, challenge. Um, I've been going through some emotional intelligence programs that have been, um, it's not any religious affiliation, um, but it's definitely very spiritual. It's definitely where you have to tap into, um, something so much greater than yourself and allow God to lead and show and look into your, your own soul and see the stuff that needs to be healed and then just break through those limitations that you put on your own self and then allow yourself to be pliable and, and God, like he's so incredible and amazing. Like he just wants the best for us and life, life will life. It's what you do with it. It's what you do with, with the, the hard times and the decisions and choices that you've, you've made that have led you down a certain road. Um, there's at no point in your life. Can you, can you say, um, you know, I, this is the end. You can about face and go in another direction or turn left, turn right, whatever you need to do, jump over the wall. There's always, there's always a way. And there's always better when you place your trust in God, because he definitely wants you to be the best version of who he has in mind for you to be. And that's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing and just being willing to go there to those vulnerable, hard places of your story and share. And I know, I know not just through this podcast, definitely through the podcast, but I know that God has so many people for you to impact and your story is going to minister to so many people and it's exciting and I just love how God, like you were saying, he works all things together for good and, and he will take those broken places like he's done in my life and just use them to minister to the hearts of people and let them know that there is life beyond your brokenness and, mm -hmm. and there's hope beyond the devastation. And as you're reading, I thought about Proverbs three, five, and six. I want to <laughs> read it in the passion translation because I'm kind of obsessed with that translation right now and probably for the rest of my life. But it says, cause you're talking about trusting and I just, I love just that heart of surrender. God can do so much when we are totally abandoned and like surrendered to him. And it says, trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions with all your heart, rely on him to guide you. And he will lead you in every decision you make, become intimate with him in whatever you do. And he will lead you wherever 
you go. And I just see that those two verses, um, Proverbs three, five, and six over your life. And that's what you're doing and the example you're setting for other women and for your children. And I just, I'm so thankful to know you that God crossed our paths. Like I already said, and I'm excited to see what God does in the future in your life. And so in all of that that I'm in, um, the significance in that was when my, um, my second husband and I were separated the first time and he was, he was having an affair. Uh, and I wrote all these scriptures. So after, after, uh, he broke my nose and we separated permanently. And, um, I filed, I waited a year. Um, I was still gracious. I was like, if he goes through programs, if he goes through, you know, his own change, if God just like uses that as his rock bottom, then, you know, I, I'll lead with compassion and forgiveness. And I know people are probably like, what he like, cause I heard so many people say, if you ever get back together with him or if you this, or you that, and yet, while I know that is crazy and I do not advocate for abuse and, and if you are being abused, there are so many resources out there. Seek help, get help. Don't be ashamed of it. It's not your fault. And, uh, but when I, when I came back into this room, it actually, as crazy as this is, it took me, it took me about a year and a half to be even to open. I would keep this door closed. I wouldn't even look at the scripture on the wall because it was so painful because I remember thinking like this was going to be it. I was going to pray through this all and this was going to fix it. And, um, and so it took me, I think it was almost like the beginning of this year. So maybe a solid year to walk back in here. It was probably right after I filed, I came, came in here and I, I actually like met with God. Like he hugged me in here, kissed me on my forehead and, and was like, you know, I like felt ashamed that I didn't, I made this room and that I didn't come in here anymore. And, and he basically met me in here being like, I, I've been with you wherever you go, whether it's in this room or not, you know? And I was just, it was such a moment of healing for me to open up the door because the very first scripture that I wrote on the, on the wall was first Peter three, one through four. And it says, wives likewise be submissive or respectful to your own husbands. You can finish the rest of it, but that respectful was the biggest thing for me is because I didn't lead with respect. And now I'm at the place in my life that I understand that the respect that I give, it says nothing about what that other person is doing, but it says everything about me and my integrity. So I, I will give respect whether it's due or not, you know, cause that, that is a shining light of something that has been healed and forgiven in me. So when I came in here and I saw that and I read that and I just cried because right underneath that wives, I wrote my name and right underneath husbands, I wrote his name. Well, then I came in here and I scratched out his name. (laughs) Cause I was like, no, not anymore. (laughs) And you know what, honestly, like I, I've always tried to like figure out what next, what next, what next. And I'm just in a season that let me just do a shameless plug for slaying singlehood. Like I'm so excited to get your book because that is the, the season that I'm, I'm in is like relentlessly falling in love with my own soul and just loving me so that I get to be a shining beacon for other women and, and like just show that, teach that, live that in self-love because I think in, in like the structured church that I was raised in, 
loving yourself was quote unquote selfish. But you know, when you take a flight and you get on an airplane and they say in the event of a crash, when the um, oxygen mask comes down, you put your mask on you first so that you can assist other people. And if we are crumbling and we are dying and we are losing ourselves, then we are not using our gifts. We do not save other people. We do not help other people if we are not doing that for ourselves first. So that. Yeah. And I love, I love that you said that because I was journaling last night and I was thinking about that, um, that literally that exact thought and like the second greatest commandment mm, yes. is to love others as ourselves. And I just have had this like realization that people do, people are really good at loving other people, like as ourselves, the problem is that we mm-hmm. don't love ourselves well. So that's why we're not loving each other well. And so that I'm so glad that you hit on that because it's so important that we do, that we are making sure like, this is for me, like the word that's been on repeat for me is like rest. Like you need to make sure that you're like for me that I'm taking times mm-hmm. of rest and like, cause I am like a hundred miles an hour all the time with ideas and things and vision casting and running with vision and all of that. Like I have yeah. to make sure that I'm refilling myself. And it's like, it's, it's something that I've known forever, but like God will always lovingly remind me like, yeah. Hey, you're going to be running on fumes soon. You need to make sure that you're pouring into yourself and, and like loving ourselves. And I, that was something too, that I wrote about the other day and what I was talking about earlier in the podcast about, about loving ourselves and how, when we live beneath that identity and who God says we are, like people call that cocky, mm-hmm. like, cause I like you, I'm like, I'm confident in who God has created me to be. I love who God has created me to be now. And, and that's been a journey for me to get to that point. But like, I, I just had this like realization, like that's insulting Absolutely. to the creator to live beneath who he says we are and what he says no. that we're capable of. So it's not cocky. It's, yes. Because when we get it's to the place honoring where we to realize, the Lord, like the way so. that he looks at us, if our, if our creator, he, I just said mm. this to someone the other day, you do realize that we were created perfectly. We were created in perfection. Mm. That is how he saw us. That's how he designed us. And then, you know, there was the fall and I, th- I think that we have tried to strive to get back to perfection. At least I have in my walk, I've tried to be perfect, but once I've come to the place of acceptance that I, I was created in perfection, I am not perfect, but I do get to grow and I get to change and I get to seek and I get to find, you know, and if I need an answer to something, I get to knock on his door and be like, Hey, show me, show me the way. And as long as you're you're continually willing to be pliable and moldable, then, you know, it's, it's an exciting journey and it, and it can be such an exciting journey that the season that I'm in right now, I'm like, I am so excited to see what comes to pass. The things that I've been writing down, the, just the sites that I've been setting my eyes on and, um, my drive and my passion, I, I use fitness as a platform because that has empowered me so much to just find my strength and find the beauty in my strength. And to in turn, like I've shoved so many things out of the way. Like I've learned to say, no, I've learned to fail. I've learned to accept my failures because when you're in the gym and you're putting plates on a barbell and you're squatting back and you have to dump that 
barbell and everybody looks at you like, what in the world are you doing over there? I failed. You know, like there's no greater announcement than that. I failed, (laughs) you know, but I do it now, like in everything, (laughs) in every area. If I fail, I'm going to fail forward. I'm going to, I'm going to figure out a way to either not put my hand on the burner again or to figure out like, okay, what kind of glove do I need to wear so that I can put my hand on the burner? (laughs) You know, it's like learning how to, to fail so that you are growing. If that's makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. And that's kind of my, been my mindset too. It's like, if I don't try, I've already failed. Like I would rather try and take that risk of whatever than of failure than to never try at all. So I love, I love your drive. I love your motivation and your tenacity. It's, it is inspiring. It's encouraging to me just listening, (laughs) just listening to you talk. And I, I, like I said, I'm so excited for the lives that you're going to continue to impact. And I know you're already doing that. Like I said, on the daily, yeah, so I just looked this at might the officially time be the like, longest well, podcast. I am a talker and I can go on and on and on. So, you know, we get to um, respect people's time and shut this down. Right. <laughs> I don't like, I want to talk forever. Uh, I'm like, Hey, we're just going to do an uh, entire season with just, well, okay? you know, it's fine. Is it, wait, is that oh, a co-host? So thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh no seriously I I really hope that I can get you at a stirred up to speak sometime and I don't know I'm just continuing to cheer you on girl and everything that you're doing and celebrating all that God's doing in your life it's it's exciting and Mm. I don't know I can't wait to release this This podcast next week so everyone can hear it because I'm looking at the time and I'm like wow this is very long (laughs) no People, people can people can pause it and pick up because it was such a good podcast and there's nothing I want to take out of it because there's just such a depth of of truth and God's heart in this message so I'm really really thankful that you were willing to come on and talk well, to my podcast community me. and chat with me it's really good yeah I'm going to go ahead and close out in prayer, but I want to give you a second. If there's anything you else, I don't want to like cut it off. I don't care how long it is. I don't want to cut it off. If there's um, still something that you want to say, you know, yeah. I just, I'm sitting here looking around the scripture in this closet and, um, I keep, I've stared at, it, uh, the whole time. Second Timothy one seven says for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And that, that is just an empowering verse to me because fear is so crippling and it can stop us right in our tracks. It can make us stay. It can, it can strip us of our love and our power and our sound mind. Um, But fear doesn't actually have to be Mm. such a negative thing. It's perspective is everything. When I, the season that I'm in right now is facing all of those fears. And when I feel fear about something, I step forward with that power and driving with love. And I pray a lot of times for clarity because a lot of times I have just, I've been a jumper or I've pushed away, you know, that intuitive side that we are gifted with at birth that we all know that gut speaks to us, that inner, inner voice that, you know, God lets us know, Hey, wrong way, wrong direction. 
And so if, if there is a lady out there, let me just drive it a little bit more definitive or clearer. There's a young girl out there and you are sitting in a relationship right now that you're questioning. First of all, if you're questioning, you already know the answer. And as hard as it is to let things go and to trust what's on the other side, a lot of times we stay because we fear of what is on the other side, or we fear being alone, or we fear what people will say or think. Let me just encourage you through my story and my experiences to just learn, like, take it from me. I like to take the stance of, but like, I have all these young ladies that I'm friends with now that I've taken the stance of like an older sister. Cause I am the baby of my family. So I don't have any younger sisters, um, biologically, I guess. Um, <laughs> but if you can just listen to me as an older sister and take it as I'm, I get to let go of the thing that is holding me back and step and press into that fear of the unknown and just fully, completely trust in God. And then the other scripture that I'm looking at is Psalms 37, five. It says, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. And I just encourage you to just write down the things that are in your heart and just, you know, dump it out on paper and let it flow because those things are there in your heart for a reason. God has implanted those you know, everything that you were born in creation with, it's a gift and it was created there for a reason. You, you are, you are not here, um, by accident. You're here on purpose and we are all given gifts at the time of our creation and how we are using those for, for others and for ourselves is really the true testament to what our creator is doing in us, through us, in the world. So press, I would just encourage you to press into those and look at those and by all means, if this has um, impacted anybody in any way where they feel that they would like to reach out, if you're, you're pulled in that direction of like, I have a question or how did you this or how can I this, then I am type of person that I am an open book. I love to help people that is in my heart to to just spread some joy and inspire and impact people. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, I, I love, I love to help and see growth. And if you're stuck in a place that you need a little boost out of, I'm pretty strong and I can boost out. <laughs> so. Yes. Amen. Can you, well, can I'm you tell Facebook people how they can get a hold of Cindy you? Holbrook. Um, the last name is actually still my, my married name, but I've gone back to my maiden name, Cindy Holbrook. And then I'm on Instagram. Um, Sin, C-I-N Holbrook is my, uh, username on Instagram. And those are the only two social media platforms that I use. I'm not a, I'm not a tweeter. So. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll include, I'll include your handle in the um, description too, for, for people to be able to reach out to you. And thank you for just pouring your wisdom out during this episode and being willing to be there for listeners who, um, who are going to need that, that boost. So I, I love it. So thank you. Thank you again. I'll go ahead and close out in prayer and, um, I hope you have an amazing rest of your day and get out there and change some more lives, girl. 
(laughs) Father God, I thank you so much for today's episode. God, I thank you for Cindy. I thank you for her heart. God, I thank you for the healing and just the restoration that you've brought into her life, God. And I thank you for the lives, like I've said already, that she is impacting on the daily. God, I thank you for the people that you are putting in her pathway to minister to and just her joy, God, that it exudes from everything that she does. God, I thank you that as she's ministering to people, God, that she's pointing them to you, Lord. And I just am so excited for everything that you're doing in and through her life. God, I lift up every single person who will tune into this episode, Lord. And I pray for restoration, God, over their lives, that you would heal anything that is broken, God, that you would restore and redeem every area of their life, God, that listeners would just fall more in love with you, that they would have an encounter with you like they've never had before, Lord. And I just thank you that your plans for them are good, God, and that you have created them with gifts. I pray that you would shine a light on those gifts, God, that they would use those for your glory, for their intended purposes. We just pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 